I will now read the preface of the Kyokyo Shinsho, which, will, uh, which explains the essence of the Jodo Shinshu tradition. I will explain the English, read the English, and then the Japanese. <clears throat> I reflect within myself. The universal vow difficult to fathom is indeed a great vessel bearing us across the ocean difficult to cross. The unhindered light is the sun of wisdom dispersing the darkness of our ignorance. Thus it is that when conditions for the teaching of birth in the pure land had matured, Devadatta provoked Ajatashatru to commit grave crimes. And when the opportunity arose for explaining the pure act by which birth is settled, Shakyamuni led Vaidehi to select the land of peace. In their selfless love, these incarnated ones, Devadatta, Ajatashatru, Vaidehi, all aspired to save the multitudes of beings from pain and affliction. And in his compassion, Shakyamuni, the great hero, sought indeed to bless those committing the five grave offenses, those slandering the Dharma, and those lacking the seed of Buddhahood. We know, therefore, that the auspicious name embodying the perfectly fulfilled supreme virtues is true wisdom that transforms our evil into virtue, and that the diamond-like Shinjin, so difficult to accept, is true reality that sweeps away doubt and brings us to attainment of enlightenment. This, then, is the true teaching, easy to practice for small, foolish beings. It is a straight way easy to traverse for the dull and ignorant. Among all the teachings the great sage preached in his lifetime, none surpasses this ocean of virtues. Let the one who seeks to abandon the defiled and aspire for the pure, who is confused in practice and vacillating in faith, whose mind is dark and whose understanding deficient, whose evils are heavy and whose karmic obstructions manifold. Let such persons embrace above all the Tathagata's exhortations, take refuge without fail in the most excellent direct path, devote themselves solely to this practice and revere only this Shinjin. Ah, hard to encounter even in many lifetimes is the decisive cause of birth, Amida's universal vow. Hard to realize even in myriads of kalpas is pure Shinjin that is true and real. If you should come to realize this practice in Shinjin, rejoice at the conditions from the distant past that have brought it about. But if in this lifetime you are still entangled in a net of doubt, then unavoidably you must pass once more in the stream of birth and death through myriads of kalpas. Holy sincere indeed are the words of truth that one is grasped, never to be abandoned, the right dharma, all surpassing and wondrous. Hear and reflect, and let there be no wavering or apprehension. How joyous I am, Putok Shinnang, disciple of Shakyamuni. Rare is it to come upon the sacred scriptures from the westward land of India and the commentaries of the masters of China and Japan, but now I have been able to encounter them. Rare is it to hear them, but already I have been able to hear, reverently entrusting myself to the teaching, practice, and realization that are the true essence of the Pure Land Way, I am especially aware of the profundity of the Tathagata's benevolence. Here I rejoice in what I have heard and extol what I have attained. Sokani 
叱ればすなわち情報円熟して上達邪勢をして学外を公ぜしむ情合期現れて社会偉大をして安業を選ばしたまえりこれすなわち権家の人等しく苦悩の群毛を苦いし世王の日まさしく逆法先代を恵まんとおぼす軽がゆえに死ぬ遠入取得の加護は悪を転じて徳をなす承知南進混合の信行は疑いを除き悟りを得しむる真理なりとうしかれば梵鐘獅子屋敷信教愚鈍雪屋敷設計なり大正の一代の教この特会に宿なし絵を捨て情を願い行に惑い真に惑い心暗く悟り少なく悪を目く触り大きいものことに如来の発見を仰ぎ必ず最小の直道に帰してもっぱらこの行に仕えただこの心をあがめようああ愚税の豪縁多少にももう相難く真実の上心億行にも得難したまたま行心を得ば遠く祝縁を喜べもしまたこの度疑問に不平せられば帰ってまた皇后を協略せんまことなるかな摂取不者の真言朝世家有の勝負を問視して治療することなかれことに愚得釈の親鸞喜ばしいかな聖番月子の焦点当家自治域の死釈に相がたくして今大ことを得たり聞くがたくしてすでに聞くことを得たり新衆の教行章を共振してことに如来の音読深きことを信ぬここをもって聞くところを喜び売るところを短ずるなりと。ナマンナムナマンナナマンナスナマンナスナマンナスナマンナス。「大地へげ」
Of compassion illumines us from afar. Those beings it reaches, it is taught, attain the joy of Dharma. So take refuge in Amida, the great consolation. Hymns of the Pure Land. Jikko harukani kaburashime, hikari no itaru tokoro niwa, hokio u tozo nobetamo, dai angio kimio seo, to namandas namandas. Good morning. Uh, I hope everyone is doing well and staying safe. This is the Sunday service for May the 31st, 2020. 
Today I'd like to continue our discussion on Amida Buddha and what the <coughs> Buddha is. The other week I talked about Amida Buddha as the embodiment of infinite light and life, and I talked about life a little bit more in detail. And so today I'd like to talk about the, the relationship between wisdom and compassion. In contrast to the Buddha, the embodiment of wisdom and compassion, there is the sentient being, us. We may have some compassion for others, we may have some wisdom, but they are very limited. And to give you a small example, we tend only to take care and be concerned about our immediate family and friends, people we have ties and connections with. But the Buddha Dharma has boundless wisdom and compassion, uh, and altruistic compassion for all beings. And how is this possible? Why is it that we need Amida Buddha? What does Amida Buddha provide for us? Amida Buddha is explained as infinite light and life, which are synonymous with the terms wisdom and compassion in Mahayana Buddhism. So wisdom on the one hand corresponds to light, and then compassion corresponds to life. Amida Buddha is the embodiment of both infinite wisdom and compassion. So you might be wondering, why is it wisdom and compassion? Why those two uh, traits? Couldn't it have been like love or peace, right? Or mindfulness or kindness or simply just don't be a jerk in life, right? Why, why these two specific traits, wisdom and compassion? What is it? about these two that make it special and stand out in front of, uh, before all other um, positive characteristic traits. I'd like to talk to you about something that uh, happened the other day to me um, that might help to explain the relationship between wisdom and compassion. I've been going on walks with my son and uh, we go to a different place and uh, that day, one particular day, we went over to the Glass Museum, uh, which is not too far from here, and we walked around and we came home. And on the way home, there is this uh, small little pizza place, so I decided to get my son uh, a cold beverage uh, to drink on the way home because it was a really sunny day. I go in the store and I buy the drink and the lady uh, gives me the drink and my son is watching this, this entire transaction take place, right? And, and so after this, he opens the drink and, he finish our walk, and we finish our walk home. And later when we get home, my son is holding the drink and he gives it to his mom and she asks where he got it, so he proceeds to tell her how he got the drink. He explains that um, he got the drink for free, right? And so my wife asks me then, right, you got this drink for free, you know? And so to which I interjected and I said, well, well no, I mean, that's, that's not what happened at all. You know, Kaysai, why are you making up a story like that? You know, that, that's, that's not what happened. Um, why did my son just lie? You know, I'm thinking to myself, or maybe he wanted to make up some kind of, you know, fancy, you know, uh, fantastic story to tell his mom to make it sound more interesting. Or maybe he doesn't know what a transaction looks like. You know, so to him, it just looked like some lady gave us a bottle of, of juice, right, a drink. And I was uh, pretty confused by this matter, and I was kind of um, confused as to why my son would make up a story like that. Well, later on that day, 
I was talking to my wife about the matter, and um, I asked her why she thinks uh, he lied. Uh, is our son a liar? You know, are we not teaching him something right? Uh, maybe I should be explaining to him more that it's better to explain things honestly and to be honest, right? It was also concerning that he really didn't even seem to care that or show any remorse about the matter as, as well. But then I remembered uh, my time uh, in Japan. Uh, I recalled these moments from my time in Japan. I lived in Japan for some years and my Japanese is okay, but it's not fluent enough to be considered a native speaker. And so I can, I can get by, but you know, in conversations, but once the conversation kind of has complicated, you know, or it, it gets complicated to explain things, then I find it harder and harder to be able to explain myself. And it was actually pretty frustrating, you know, the, uh, actually, as a matter of fact, the other person actually had to kind of guess sometimes as to what I was saying in order to make the conversation move forward. Sometimes they would guess right and sometimes they would guess wrong. But even when they guessed wrong, I would just kind of like nod my head and say, yeah, um, that's right, as if, it was that, as if that was right, thinking, oh, well, you know, as long as my point gets across. And there were other times where I wouldn't explain things enough because I didn't have the words and so I would just hope that the other person would understand what I am talking about. There were many times where I just didn't have the vocabulary to be able to explain myself accurately. I could only, you know, explain kind of generally what I was trying to say. And this happened to me a lot during my time in Japan. I'm sure many people from other countries who are here in America, uh, where English is not their, you know, native uh, speaking language, uh, it, they must be feeling the same way right? and understand what that situation is like. So anytime you're speaking to a, a foreigner or someone whose native tongue is not English, please be extra understanding of them. But anyway, so when I, when I thought back about to this situation, I suddenly realized that the same thing was happening uh, to my son. It wasn't that he was, he was lying. Uh, he wasn't making up some fantastic or interesting story. He was simply trying to use the words that he knew <clears throat> to try and explain the situation as best as he could. And once I realized this, I went from being concerned, being worried, <clears throat> uh, kind of disappointed, uh, to being like, oh, my son, you know, he's trying. So I became more kind of understanding, more accepting and, and compassionate towards him. So now when I speak to him and he seems to struggle finding the words to explain the situation or what he's thinking and feeling, I try to help by calmly and patiently listen to him and help him find the words that he needs to explain things more clearly. I'm really sorry that I'm kind of putting myself in the Buddhist position here in, in, in the analogy, but um, I hope it's abundantly clear that I'm not in any way trying to say that at all, but uh, I do tell this story because I want to make a point about the relationship between wisdom and compassion. When the situation is understood, in other words, when one gains the wisdom, then the person will act in a way to implement that wisdom and help the situation, and this is called compassion. The two go hand, hand in hand. Why? Because once there is wisdom, that person cannot stand idly by and do nothing. 
When I understood the situation of my son, I could not help but to act out of love for him and try to think of ways to be able to help his situation. When I had the understanding of his situation, I could not just stand idly by and watch him struggle. I had to try and find a way to help him in his situation. Similarly, true wisdom means that there is now the motivation to act. In Mahayana Buddhism, it is impossible to have one without the other. Wisdom means compassion. Compassion means wisdom. Wisdom is to understand the situation at hand and all of the causes and conditions that led up to the situation at hand. It is to have, it, it is to have perfect knowledge and to see the situation as it is, without the bias of attachments. And only the Buddha can do this. Compassion, then, is to put into motion that wisdom in order to help the situation. In Buddhism, the situation at hand is the suffering of all sentient beings. Amida Buddha understands the situation that sentient beings are engulfed in a dire situation that they cannot break free from. But have no fear because Amida Buddha puts that wisdom into motion as compassion by providing a path to spiritual liberation through the Nembutsu. Amida Buddha is the encapsulation of great wisdom and compassion. Amida Buddha's great wisdom is put into action through great compassion. So Amida Buddha knows that we do not have the ability to break free from this world of delusion based on our own power and thus provides us with the path to liberation by telling us of the principle of the Buddha Dharma, uh, which we call Amida Buddha. Amida Buddha gives us the hope, the aspiration, the strength and vigor to live in this life because we are given the wisdom that we are embraced within the Buddha's compassion. Amida Buddha tells us this life is precious and there is deep meaning to be found in our lives. Please join me in Gasho. The light of compassion illumines us from afar. Those beings it reaches, it is taught, attain the joy of Dharma. So take refuge in Amida, the great consolation. Namo Amida Uts. Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namandabs, 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 Namandabs. The spirit of Buddha is great wisdom and compassion to save all people by any and all means. It is the spirit of a mother toward her child, nourishing and protecting it. It is the spirit that prompts us to be ill with the sickness of people to suffer with their suffering. Your suffering is my suffering, and your happiness is my happiness, said Buddha. He does not forget that spirit for a single moment, it, for it is the self-nature of Buddhahood to be compassionate. <laughs>